0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in a digital world to improve health outcomes and enhance global health with a focus on patients and caregivers. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. This is our newest series. We are so happy to bring it to you, and it is timely, and the information is compelling. So listen up. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Okay, I found a quote in Forbes.com from a writer named Bruce Jaspin, J-A-S-P-E-N. Let me read it, and it will give you a clue about our topic today. He says, one in four health plans now have... At least one outcomes based contract with a drug maker. This is from an Avalier Health survey. He's quoting Such contracts tie health outcomes to whether the drug is paid for by the health plan. Such deals are escalating. That's just a little bit of that quote. So here's the scoop. A distorted reimbursement model has pushed soaring health care costs to the top of government budgets around the globe. You all read the news, you know this is true. Who is going to do something about this? Come on. Well, we're looking at the life sciences industry today, and players in that industry are experimenting with what we'll call innovative outcome-based pricing models, as mentioned in my quote from Bruce Jaspin. This approach, well, what is it? Well, it lines reimbursements. That's money that comes back with positive outcomes. Yeah, when the patient gets or stays healthy. It also improves pricing stability and predictability in the life sciences industry. That's a lot to wrap our heads around. We have a panel of experts today. They're going to talk about this model, tell us what it really means, and talk about alternatives for outcome-based pricing and payment methods that will benefit all of the stakeholders in the value chain. And think about that, the patient, the doctor, the facility, the drug maker, maybe the uh, the medical accessory device maker. There are a lot, a lot of opportunities in this value chain and what's going to happen. In in the future. That's what we're talking about today. Let me tell you who my three experts are on the panel, and then we'll get started. First up, of course, we're welcoming back Joe Miles. He is one of the sponsors of this series, he's the Global Vice President of Life Sciences at SAP. Joining him on the show are two newcomers to Game Changers, Bob Steller, spelled S-T-E-L-L-E-R. He is an industry principal in life sciences at Vistex, and we've had Vistex people on several of our other Game Changers shows, so we're very happy to welcome Bob. And rounding out the panel is Joseph M. Coppola. He's going to let me call him Joe, so we have Joe... M for Joe Miles and C for Joe Coppola. He's a Managing Director in the Commercial Strategy and Operations Practice. That's a long title, Joe, of Deloitte's Consulting's National Life Sciences Organization. And Joe Coppola, I have to do a shout-out to all of our really good friends at Deloitte because so many of your colleagues are on so many Game Changers shows. And a shout-out to Carl and Neil at Deloitte as well. So, Joe Miles, let's get started. You have picked a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Interesting. 1869 to 1948, the leader of the Indian independence movement against British rule. He was called Mahatma. It's an honorific. It's not really a first name. It means venerable or high souled. Unofficially, he's called the father of the nation. Here's the quote. It is health that is real wealth and not pieces of gold and silver. Joe Miles, welcome back. How are you?
2: I'm fine, Bonnie. Thanks for... uh for hosting, as always, and your magnanimous self, and uh, and helping us discuss this uh, really very important topic. And and when I was thinking about kind of the quote, the the quote itself is a little bit of a a play on words, I I suppose at some level. Gandhi's quite a a legendary individual, but uh, I think what he was highlighting was just that the Health more so than wealth or anything else really is, uh, is really what's important. And I think all of us would agree that, uh, you know, our lifestyles can be significantly impaired and, and interrupted you know, when we, when you do have health issues. And I think that's, uh, it's, it's a nice play into really the debate that's been raging for some time and continues to rage on, uh, both in a political context, but, but more so in a personal health, health context. And that is, you know how how do we improve outcomes? Um, mm-hmm. uh, in spite of the amount of money that that uh, mature markets are spending, in particular the US, uh, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen percent of GDP um, over the years, uh, we still have some of the average to below average health metrics of any of the developed uh, nations, and it's uh, somewhat ironic in some levels and. It really is fueling a lot of the debate around this outcome-based, uh, reimbursements or basically tying the, the payments to specific health outcomes. And it's, uh, something that's new and very innovative. And I, I think we're seeing the market moving in that direction, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not something that's casually done. So it's a, it's a very complex topic and, uh, but really an exciting one. So. Really excited it it to have definitely a conversation
1: is. Today. Joe, let me ask you, how far back does this date? It sounds like it's reasonably new. Did, was this the brainchild of, of somebody sitting in a, I don't know, medical devices company, or was this, uh, I hate to say it, but this was on Capitol Hill? Was this a, a political thing? Where did the idea, and it sounds very creative to me, because we've all taken it for granted. You go to a doctor, something's wrong, maybe he'll suggest a medication, you go to the pharmacist, you fulfill it, you do or don't take it according to directions, <laughs> oh does or doesn't work you've put out the money maybe with a copay maybe the full price escalating prices of drugs you go back to the doctor maybe you call him it's not working or you wait another year and you say well i'm sort of better i, I think that's probably a very common scenario joe when did this idea pop into somebody's head
2: um i don't know if i have a precise date or if there even was a precise date joe or uh, joe or bob maybe have some thoughts on that but i think it's something that's evolved. Um, it's been around for several years, and, and people have been experimenting in different ways. Well, I think what's really changed it, though, is the, the technology innovations that are happening and the digital revolution that's underway. Uh, I think further fuels the the opportunity now to do that. And 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 clearly, the stakes have always been very high, given the amount of spend. Uh, again, if you use the U.S. or even many of the, the European nations, uh, Japan as well. China. Everyone's really dealing with the spend. How do you uh, how you get more for more bang for your buck, and, and how you try and create that alignment uh, from a healthcare and a health outcomes uh, perspective? So, it's I, I think what's what's really driving a lot of this opportunity now is the fact that we now have. Um, technology and capabilities, and mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, uh, wireless devices or Fitbits or different types of uh, medical devices or medical sensors that are used to capture information that can really facilitate a lot of this, um, it's really making it uh, much more realistic for a lot of the chronic, chronic diseases that are, in particular, the chronic diseases that are being targeted, uh, given the amount of spend in those areas, so...
1: Thank you Joe, very interesting. I just wanted to do a little level setting there on where this all came from, appreciated. And now let's move to our next panelist. He is Bob Steller at Vistex, and Bob has sent us a lovely quote. Bob, you know what I'm talking about from Sir Winston mm-hmm. Churchill. Sir Winston Churchill had so many letters after his name, I think he had his own alphabet. Sir Winston Leonard Spencer hyphen Churchill K G O M C H T D P C C D L F R S R A. British statesman, army officer. And writer. He was Prime Minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, and again 51 to 55, and a Member of Parliament. Oh, my goodness. So here we go, and here's the quote from Winston Churchill. However beautiful the strategy, you should occasionally look at the results. Bob Steller, welcome to Game Changers. How are you?
3: Good. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Thank you. This is a great quote, and, and you know what it says to me, Bob? It says the word accountability is jumping out of the quote to me, so talk to me. How did you pick the quote, and why don't you relate it to our topic?
3: So I, I picked the quote because uh, as the world moves forward in, in a lot of different areas, there's always new things popping up, you know, digitalization in this world, uh, track and trace. Things are always happening. There's new strategies. There's new strategies in drugs and how you deliver them, and occasionally what we have to do is look back and say, are we getting the results we need and we expect? And do we need to adjust the strategy? And I think sometimes as we move very quickly through, through uh, the world today, even in our lives, we need to occasionally take that breath and look back and say, what are the results? And instead of you know, jumping into the next strategy, how do we refine this and make sure the next strategy makes sense?
1: Make sure okay, that we're very doing interesting. Right about this thing about, it, about accountability, looking at the results, is this scary for people in the industry in various parts of pharma and life sciences, Bob? Is this something people say, what? What? Well, we're going to be measured and paid based on real outcomes? Is this something that's uh, OMG, or is it, yeah, it's about time?
3: Well, I think, I think you get a little bit of both. I think as we go into it, there's the OMG effect. Mm-hmm. But I think that people will realize as we get more into it that there will be better – there'll be better results, there'll be better data, there'll be better ways to look at how do we move forward and improve the products and improve people's lives. So I think as it moves forward, it'll be, yeah, this is great. This is about time we've gotten here, and I think it'll move forward and accelerate. Uh, Medicine is becoming more personalized. Uh, You've got genomic-type identifiers. You've got uh, drugs that are being created for people. Uh, with the CAR-T type technology where it's actually, you know, teaching your body to heal itself, and it has to be tailored towards you. So I think as we get through this, people will see the benefits of this, but we've got to take a look and say, okay, as we develop all these great strategies, let's make sure we're looking at the results and we're getting what we achieve want to achieve and we move forward appropriately.
1: Thank you very much. I like the way you added that postscript appropriately. That that's going to be part of our conversation. Thank you very much, Bob, and welcome to Game Changers. And say hello to Carla DeGraff. She was on one of my shows a couple of weeks ago. So thank you very much. Yeah, I bet you do. I met her at Sapphire as well. I spoke to her. We did a brief interview that was streamed live here on the Business Channel and also on uh, on Facebook Live, so it was nice to meet her. And now let's bring in our third panelist from our good friends at Deloitte. It is Joe Capola, and Joe has sent us interestingly enough an African proverb and I look this up, Joe. I, I try to be very ardent in my search for the truth in the quotes <laughs> our guests send me. There was a book written by somebody a few years ago, but it first seems to uh, come come into being from an African proverb. And let me just make a note here. I found an essay by a young woman named D.I.K.S.O.N. Dykson a spoken word artist, photographer, writer from Zimbabwe. And here's a little background, Joe. She says, as six-year-olds in Zimbabwe, we were taught proverbs before we were taught how to navigate the nuts and bolts of Shona, the most common language in the country of Zimbabwe. This approach left some students capable of dropping rich wisdom freely, but not being able to ask you how your day was (laughs) in their language. So I just wanted to give a little background on some of the the, the rich lore of Africa. So here's the proverb. Okay, Bonnie, get it to it. Here's the proverb. When the music changes, so does the dance. I like it, but I'm not sure what it means. Joe Coppola, welcome. How are you?
4: <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you for having me.
1: Delighted. I Talk know. to me. Who's dancing? Whose music yeah. is it? Who's playing?
4: Well <laughs> I was uh the reason I, I chose the quote uh, a bit comical, but I actually believe in what it what I believe it means and that is I'll just use, use an example. Have you ever on to a a wedding or an event and you're looking out in the dance floor wondering if you should go out and dance or not and you you look at a couple of folks you just start to wonder you know what song are those folks dancing to it's not the one I'm not the one I'm listening to and I (laughs) and I chuckle and I think about the the need in our industry to really listen um, to the music and understand Mm -hmm. the dynamics that are going on in the marketplace and it, it, Bob alluded to this, and change the, your course, or change the way you dance, or respond, or adapt to the beat, uh, to to the to the music. And I think this is so important now. And we're seeing some experimentation, which I think is is, is wonderful. Uh, but I, I, this this shift from volume to value in in, the, in our healthcare system is really happening today. And I think it's imperative that our that our life sciences, uh, uh, our manufacturers, and, and our device uh, uh, creators are listening to the music and starting to understand that they need to change the way they, they dance and, and operate and succeed in place and differentiate their solution products um, amongst those out there based on the value uh, that they deliver. And hence the topic of, of our conversation.
1: Thank you very much. I I was intrigued. You said a shift from volume to value. And I'm going to ask you the question I asked Bob Steller a moment ago. Is this an OMG moment for the people who were used to going with metrics that require them to report volume and understand a whole new approach, which is value? Is this something that's a... Seriously, in my job, you want me to talk about value? I thought I had to sell X million units. So, so what's the emotional kickback or feedback, or uh, the the professional feedback on this?
4: Yeah, there's kind of of two ways to to think about this. I I think it it is, as Bob alluded to, it's a combination of both, and I think it's those who recognize this shift is is inevitable, uh, given what our providers and payers have gone through, frankly, over the last five years. They have they have made that shift. MACRA, one of the legislative uh, tools in our market that actually kicked in this year, is, is legislation that drives how doctors will get paid. And as that really does take effect, and it's, it's starting to, the physicians and the, the, the provider networks will, will demand that mm-hmm. the products and solutions they use are also paid for uh, in the same vein and and, uh, basically aligning incentives and I I go back to the music part, aligning um, the way your body moves to the music to to succeed and I think that's what's really important here. Uh, I do think there are some companies, this is actually a very important point, not every product lends itself to value-based contracts. I think that's a a misnomer. Folks don't realize that it's not not appropriate for every product, every, every therapeutic area. What is important is if for those that um, align well with this topic of demonstration of value, there's a need to, um, to, to change the way uh, the value is, is calculated, uh, measured, and then ultimately reimbursed for, or, or uh, what I call the value exchange. And there's, there's going to be um, more and more of this as, as, as the medicines get to be more personalized and, frankly, more expensive. I think this is a really important point. So there is a an, an oh my god moment, um, but I think mm-hmm. those who recognize have seen this coming and have and has started to experiment, and, and there are a number of examples of, of that.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate your your thoughtful answer, Joe. Thank you. And now let's go back around the table to Joe Miles. He knows what's coming, and Bob and Joe C. are going to catch on real fast. This is the part of the show where we get a little bit up close and personal, and I'm going to ask Joe Miles, where are you calling from today, and what's in your cup if it's interesting, Joe? If not, what would you rather be drinking that makes you smile? Joe Miles.
2: Well, I am uh, I'm talking to you from a from a brisk but should be a beautiful uh day here in suburban Chicago, um which is near my home base uh for the most part. I uh, typically have uh and I I do it right now I have a, a nice glass of uh of green tea, just a uh, usually black or green tea, is one of the two. I think I have green this morning. A little bit of a jolt with some caffeine. Um but uh typically as I think I mentioned in one of the previous episodes uh a nice, uh, a nice porter, a nice stout, uh, this time of year, uh, uh with a glass of, uh, a glass of beer or with, uh, one of those two. And it does uh, usually, uh, put a real smile on my face, um, uh, for this time of year, so in particular, but I always enjoy one of those.
1: That's what we want. Thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate that. Yes, you are the port person. I remember. Thank you very much. Bob Steller, now that you know the drill, we'd love to know where you're calling from in general, not the number on the door of your house or the roof. And uh, we'd love to know, what's, what's the drink that makes Bob Steller the happiest?
3: So uh, I'm calling from probably not too far away from where Joe is. <laughs> I'm in suburban Chicago. So... Uh, Having a yeah, like he's saying, a nice fall day, a little bit warmer than usual, but uh, mm-hmm. very nice day here in Chicagoland. Um, probably what uh, what I have would have saved in my cup uh, would have to be saved for later. But uh, I enjoy trying new things at times. And uh, recently on a trip to the Netherlands, I happened to be having a little looking for a little nightcap at the hotel at the end of the day, and asked the bartender what they uh, distilled locally, and he let me come mm-hmm. behind the bar. And I picked a Dutch oak-aged gin Ooh. that I had him pour neat, and it was extremely smooth um, and a different type of taste, and not like a normal gin is. It had the nice juniper notes, but not as strong, and so I like drinking drinks like that and enjoying them and relaxing when I, while I do it.
1: Very interesting. I looked it up. Joe Miles knows I love to look it up. And I found an article for Foodies here back in 2014, uh, Bob, and it says, it's brown, it's barrel-aged, it's gin. For me, yeah, While many it. know gin for its light, bright, and dry characteristics, citrusy, herbal flavors that go so well with tonic water, another gin sits at the opposite end of the spectrum, malty, lightly tannic, with the subtle sweetness and spice of a young whiskey, dark barrel-aged gin is pushing the frontiers of this spirit forward is that the one you're talking about? Yep.
3: That's what I'm talking about.
1: Okay. Dark gin appeared in the US in the past 5 to 10 years, but the marriage of gin and oak is not new. Quote, the Dutch have been doing this with their genevers, J E N E V E R S, a more neutral tasting predecessor to gin for 400 years. Very interesting. I'm going to leave that one alone, but anyway, just thought you'd like to know that I was very intrigued, so we looked it up. Thank you, Bob. That's very Thank you. If I was a gin gin drinker, I'd go look for Dutch gin, but maybe I'll have to be. Thank you very much. Joe Coppola, where are you calling from and what do you love to drink?
4: I, I am calling from the suburbs of New York in uh, Westchester County, um, where I reside. Uh, and, and it is a, a, a very fall day. Um, right now, we'll definitely change in a few hours, but right now it's my uh, standard uh, Starbucks uh, coffee, uh, which I, I tend to get every day or thereabout. But what I'm looking forward to um, is a a glass of uh, of, of Cabernet uh, wine from one of my favorite vineyards in Napa, uh, Raguski. Um, it's a small vineyard produces about five thousand or so, somewhat cases a year. Uh, privately uh, owned and, and, and farmed. It's a, it's one of our favorites. Uh, uh, fortunately, I was able to get out to Napa uh, before all the uh, uh, the fires started. Literally the week oh, before, yeah. and uh, mm. I spent some time there. And there's a particular um, Cabernet that that I I tasted for the first time. It's called the Patriarch. For those who are wine lovers like myself, I really really would encourage you to give this this one a try Patriarch. um, It's a Bordeaux blend, uh, uh, Cabernet uh, predominant, and it's uh, it's wonderful. So I can't wait to have that uh, later tonight.
1: And I have to honor you here. There are, is a website called Babich, B-A-B-I-C-H, wines.com, slash patriarch, patriarch wines, Frank Family Patriarch Cabernet Sauvignon 2013, and that's in a website called WiredForWine.com. Did you know they had a website called Wired for Wine, Joe?
4: <laughs> I did not, but i, I got to find that one. That's, that's one I... Now you I
1: do. That. Now you do. Very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, and there's a... Just to see if I can pull this up real fast here. Uh, this is an article from 2015. This Memorial Day Patriarch Cabernet Sauvignon honors World War II veteran... Hi Frank, new release from the Frank Family Vineyards in Rutherford, very very interesting from Calistoga, California. Thank you, gentlemen. That was most interesting. And and as Joe Miles know from knows from working with me for several years on Game Changers Radio, and this is his new series by the way. So we're we're just delighted, Joe. Very important topics coming from you and Michelle Schoof. Uh I'm only allowed to drink water on radio show days, gentlemen. They don't let me anywhere near caffeine. They lock it up in my kitchen somewhere in my home <laughs> office. So I'll have <laughs> to look and see if I can find some caffeine after, but I really don't need it. I'm drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because I have recently relocated to Durham, North Carolina. I'm still around the East Coast, uh, not quite in the Northeast anymore from New York, but uh, it is a magnificent day here. I went out on the porch and looked at the sparkling water in the pond in my backyard and the birds in the trees and the glistening water, and it is pure blue skies, and I'm guessing it's hovering in the high 60s, so it's going to be a perfect day. And that's all I have to say about that. No, water is not my favorite drink, but it's what I have to drink when I'm on the air. So we're talking about outcome-based pricing. It's provocative, it's it's compelling, it may be controversial for for the people in the industry who, as I think uh, Bob Steller mentioned before, going from Volume to value. Maybe that was Joe Capola. We have three very very smart panelists today. We have Joe Miles from SAP, Bob Stellar, Steller S T E L L E R from Vistex, and Joseph M Capola. He lets me call him Joe at Deloitte. So we're going to take a quick break. The gentlemen will drink whatever whatever is in front of them. Probably not what they just told me about because it's morning. And when we come back, we're going to dive deep into our topic. Outcome based pricing question mark Cure for the ailing healthcare industry. Hmm, a lot to think about. So to our audience, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back 90 seconds. Count them with us. Aaron out.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From an integrated digital core to a digital health sciences network, SAP simplifies collaboration across the value chain to enhance global health in new and innovative ways. Changing the game in life sciences brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges and cutting-edge technologies to help you digitally transform for an improved focus on the patient and the caregiver tune in to the business channel to hear today's top industry and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the digital economy is shaping the future of life sciences tune into the voice america variety channel on the voice
2: america talk radio network
0: For listening to Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to Bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now let's get back to changing the game in life sciences.
1: Here we are. We're back with Joe Miles at SAP, Bob Stellar at Vistex, and Joseph M. Coppola, Joe at Deloitte. And here we go. We're talking about a controversial topic, outcome-based pricing cure for an ailing healthcare industry. And that's a question mark at the end of that. So let's see what we've got here. We're going to start the round table in earnest. And Joe Miles told me the following. Get right to the heart of the matter here. Joe told me the following before the show. He says, by linking drug prices with desired results... Outcome-based pricing puts the focus on the patient, while aligning all the players around the consequences for the patient. Joe Miles, this really crystallizes what we're talking about. Tell me more, please.
2: Well, I think it's building off of what uh, you know, Joe. I think Joe Coppola had some interesting comments uh, earlier, just around this whole concept of volume to value, and with the market historically being around blockbuster drugs and and the concept of selling, you know, selling the same. Drug to thousands, if not in some cases millions, of, of patients. It's a very different market. Your hit rate is much lower. Um, and as the as the technologies technologies have have evolved, as well as the prices have increased, it it really is driving a need for a very very different model. So as we as we look at these new products, that are in particular the new products that are coming out, and I think Joe made a great point. Another great point just around the, the appropriateness of these biological products that not only are really revolutionary uh, in terms of what they can do from a therapy perspective they're also very specific to certain types of individuals based on genetic biomarkers so we have a, a group of people who are predisposed to a, a certain outcome based on their uh, on their genetic profile we have a drug that is extensively much much more expensive to develop and so there's a, a bit of a you know, two colliding forces there. How do we how do we work that to a to a model that allows for the continued innovation around these life changing and life saving products, uh, drugs and products, while also allowing for a reimbursement level mm-hmm. that is commensurate with the amount of investment that has to go into these products. And that's really, I think, the, the crux of the issue and where this is where this is going. And how do we align that for, as an industry? How do we align those uh, those outcomes to be specific to the reimbursement levels, in particular, with new products that are coming out. And Bob, Bob mentioned the new some of the new products, it's the CAR T um, product that was developed, uh, product by Chimera, who was really recently approved by the FDA from Novartis. Uh, we'll deals with the blood of an individual patient and can uh, quite literally save a life, which in many respects, if you're going to cure someone with a cancer, it could be quite literally uh, uh, much less expensive than having them go through all of the current protocols of chemotherapy and surgeries and uh, repeat therapies that go on to try and beat these terrible diseases. Uh, and it's really a, a really uh, revolutionary time at, uh, at the, in the industry.
1: Very, very interesting comments. Bob Stellar at Vistex, love to get your thoughts. Please join us.
3: Yeah, so... Yeah, you know, I agree with what Joe was talking and was, was saying, and so on. And I think what, what's really driving this is, uh, as you were saying, these these drugs are much more expensive to develop, and some in some cases more expensive to even deliver uh, to the patient, but they can have you know very positive outcomes. So it is a, a big discussion on value. Uh, if it reduces the the need, let's say for a um, a transplant later in life or hospitalization later in life, I think we really have to look at the full value of the spectrum, and then determine. Are we delivering that value to that patient so that we are, you know, helping them through their life and helping reduce the long-term costs of healthcare? care? And if we are, then there's great value to it. And if, you know, certain people are not predisposed or it does not meet the needs of that individual, or even if they were seen as a candidate, then it has to be reflected in, in, the, in the value of the drug and therefore in the value of the reimbursement or uh, givebacks or anything like that so that we balance out... the the value of the the product to its outcome. And I think those would be very, very important. I think it's become more important as more of these new, more expensive drugs have come out. I mean, we've always had expensive drugs out there, but they've normally been in the range of, you know, orphan-type drugs where there was a limited population that needed it. Mm -hmm. So its impact on the overall healthcare marketplace was minimal because it was, you know, 10,000 lives out of 50 million. So it was minimal. But now as you get into drugs that are used by more of the population, their impact is going to be greater. So we have to deal with that impact and make sure that we're delivering the value across the entire spectrum uh, to ensure that costs don't escalate even faster than they are today.
1: Thank you, Bob. Joe Coppola at Deloitte. Love to get your thoughts. Joe?
4: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll just add uh, You know, one of the key drivers of this shift in the marketplace is not only the the uh, more targeted therapies uh, or, or you know basically the uh the 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 products for one if you will and they and they relatively speaking um these specialty products are, are are very uh expensive relatively expensive and yes i think the reimbursement models need to change but i think there's a couple of other I would say drivers of change that are happening at the same time that are really creating the infamous perfect storm um one of them there are a few. One of them is the consolidation of of our of of providers and of payers. You know, today, which creates leverage, uh, buying power, frankly, of of the of the payers and more focus on on serving um, broader patient populations. There are four, as we know, uh, payers or PBMs out there that that really manage roughly eighty percent of the lives in the U.S. That that's an unprecedented scenario, mm. which creates. Yeah. Incredible leverage of these uh, of these purchasers of of care, if you will, reimbursers of care. Um, so that's a, that's a key one. Another is the um, the patients, and Joe Miles alluded to this that you know that, that there needs to be a focus on patients, and and with that comes uh, sh- increased sharing of, of the risk of 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 one's health, but also the, the, the paying for that uh, paying for care, the financial burden. And and our patients, uh, like never before, are are just inundated. We all are with information that we never had before about about our options, uh, about about the uh, you know what uh, healthcare solutions can be um, can be had, and for and for how much. That that's these are these are dynamics in the market that are converging. Um, we're really putting a lot of pressure, causing all the stakeholders of, of our. Healthcare continuum to really seek greater cost effectiveness in their purchasing and prescribing of, of medications and solutions, and for our, our life science clients or, or, or manufacturers in the marketplace, it's really a, a time to um, evaluate these dynamic forces uh, and to address them so they can demonstrate uh, the value of their their solutions and, and, and products in, in new and innovative ways. I think it's really of the all of these pressures driving uh, this uh, this time in our market, not just not okay. just one.
1: Thank you, Josie. Uh, Joe Miles, circling around to you. You started this topic. Anything you want to share with us to wrap this up, Joe?
4: Well, I think
2: you know what we're all hitting on is there's definitely a need. I think the, to Joe's comments, there is a a bit of a storm that's, it's all, they're all colliding and coming together at the appropriate time in terms of technology and the market requirements and, and I think the therapeutic requirements. It is complex. It's not insurmountable. Um, it is complex, but it's also a journey. And I don't think it's realistic to think that the market's going to flip and all of a sudden we're going to completely change to a value-based market. It, it is an evolution rather than a revolution. Um, although it's the pace of that, of the change is picking up and and i think it's based on the fact that the need for it to 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 accelerate is is also there so it's it's going to be an interesting um uh time to watch this unfold over the coming quarters and years um it won't happen overnight but it is picking up pace and picking up momentum as the market really needs to move there so that's really the, the bit of the paradox right now
1: Thank you, Joe, very much. Uh, Bob Stellar, I'm looking at your notes here. A lot of interesting information here. Let me just read a couple of items and and then let you talk to us. You say, in a recent study, 88% of biotech and pharma executives viewed pricing and reimbursement as their top concern. Okay, we're not surprised with that. And then you say... Information sharing will be key to the success of what we're talking about today: trading volume for value, outcome-based pricing model. So, Bob, information sharing among whom? Where is this information? How is it going to get? How is it going to be shared? Uh, who has to instigate or initiate the sharing? Uh, give us an, a big, broad view of this, please.
3: So, again, when we're dealing with being able to uh, determine if an outcome is, is what we expect or what we want for that patient obviously we need they have information that we don't have today normally what happens today you know like you were talking about before you get your prescription you go fill your prescription you take it and you get back to your doctor did it work did it not work you know do you need refills whatever and that part just happens your insurance company reimburses for it through one of these PBMS and then they may get some data that they share with the manufacturer on the scripts being filled, and there may be some, you know, rebate scenarios there, but there's not a lot of information movement across that except for the, the financial transactions. If outcome medicine is going to be effective, we're going to need additional information on top of that, such as if it's a treatment, is the patient staying on the treatment? Uh, is the patient? Uh, do we have ways of determining it, that the patient is getting getting the outcome they they, they're looking for, whether it be, you know, like an implant where they uh, are hey, get a new joint and their range of motion is better and they're able to walk better. Can we track that type of information? Today, we're not tracking that type of information. There are potential ways of doing that and then getting that into the value chain so it gets from the patient to the provider to the payer and back to the manufacturer. And it can be then utilized in a number of ways, either to determine what the payment's going to be, but beyond that, Uh, to the manufacturers, are the outcomes as they expected when they developed the product or the drug, and do they need to maybe change something? Uh, It gives them a wealth of information to move forward into new areas. So we need to start collecting some of the information that maybe is not there today. The other thing is this is going to be huge volumes of information potentially, and there's going to be noise in that information that you will get stuff that is not... Uh, relevant to what you're looking for and you'll have to figure out ways of getting the noise out and focusing on the information that's necessary. But unless we can have access to that level of information and start sharing it, uh, this is going to be a very hit and miss type thing where we will have you know some drugs and stuff that this will work well for and others that it won't, uh, but it could. And it will also give us an idea of, of areas of concentration and what the next step should be Uh, Because then we really are focusing on that patient because that's where it all starts is that patient and his provider and that interaction and then the interaction with the the products, procedures, and drugs that they use for that person to determine what's happening and getting that back through the value chain so that we're paying for what's important and not paying for what's not working. So I think there's a lot of information there and we're going to need ways to crunch all those numbers and it's not going to just be numbers now. It's going to be stuff beyond numbers uh, that we're going to be crunching, you know, uh, more subjective data potentially, but trying to get that subjective data in a way that we can make sense of it and determine what those outcomes
1: are. Thank you, Bob. Very interesting. Before I bring in Joe C and Joe M for their comments, a question for you: You talk about information sharing. Are patients going to be the last ones to know about these new models, outcome-based pricing, or is this something that? people are going to read about in the popular press on maybe uh, WebMD are they going to hear about it on the dr. Oz show how are they going to find out that there may be a new model that will definitely impact is it coming from the physician is it coming from the pharmacist where is that part of the information chain coming
3: I think that's going to be an education process and it's going to have to come from their provider physician their pharmacist and they're going to have to be involved um, you know we have accountable care uh, organizations that are springing up now where they become more accountable for that patient outcome, and I think there'll be another mechanism to get that out to the patient. The popular press has not picked up on this a lot there. Right now, the popular press is more in line with, you know, the splash news about the prices uh, mm-hmm. and things like that and some of the fancier technology, but they really don't delve into uh, how it could change the whole model today. So I think it's going to be incumbent to get the patient involved through their providers, uh, and then, you know, through their pharmacist and so on. Because a lot of these, uh, as we know, a lot of uh, treatments that people get, if they don't maintain that treatment, it, it, it's not as effective. So the you know, pharmacist can help with that, and then they can become part of that process. And let's say if they keep up with their treatment, maybe their deductible goes down or something like mm-hmm. that. And so the pharmacist can help them with that. So I think the people they interact with are going to have to be that initial phase, and then as people get more educated, maybe they will ask the right questions.
1: Thank you. It sounds like uh, I was mentioning, uh, well, in one of Joe Miles' uh, talking statements, which we didn't do, uh, he talked about the, the healthcare chain, delivery chain, providers, payers, producers, and patients. And, Joe, Miles, I'm going to add the P for partnership. It sounds like partnering of information sharing. I'm just going to leave that one on the table now. Joe Coppola at Deloitte. Love to get your thoughts on what Bob Steller at Vistex just shared. Joe?
4: Sure. Um, I actually think the the patient's, um, are becoming an integral part of the provision of real-world real evidence, uh, patient-level real-world evidence through, through technology today, through wearable, wearable technology, uh, through the provision, uh, as, as Bob alluded to, from the providers themselves. There's a big push in our industry as of late called patient engagement or patient services that our manufacturers uh, are, are focused on. Um, in their attempt to focus on the patient and the provision of basically care management and the collection, assuming the patient opts in to collect their 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 uh, real world evidence, their patient level data in support of measuring the uh, the effectiveness of the protocol that they're on, the treatment protocol. So I think there, we're seeing much more of that, especially in the areas of diabetes and cholesterol and and uh, and. and uh, uh, cardiac uh, ailments as well, I, I do think this <clears throat> this partnership as we're talking about uh, of sharing of information is, is, is pivotal frankly and critical to uh, value-based contracting becoming widely adopted. Uh, I do believe it's going to happen. I, I think the what we're seeing now is the uh, uh, the br- bringing together of different data sets uh, to measure an outcome like lab data, EMR data. Claims data and the patient level data that I spoke of a minute ago, all coming together. It's a very difficult task, but as Joe Miles uh, said, it's not insurmountable. I think where our technology has uh, taken us uh, thus far will enable and is enabling the integration and aggregation of this data data in, in high volumes to actually do that. Uh, the analytics that are required to measure the outcomes. So. Uh, it is pivotal. The sharing is pivotal, but, but I, I, do, I do see it happening as, uh, as, you know, this year, actually.
1: Thank you very much, Joe Miles. Lots to talk about. What do you think?
2: Yeah, they really. Uh, I'm reminded why I invited both of them to, to join the show because they've got some great points of views. I think on both cases, the whole issue of patient accountability and and um, and, and patient involvement is a really interesting topic. Um, you, you can you can actually say that. In many respects, patients are, are already being held more accountable for their own health. If you just simply look at some of the sin taxes that are out there, what was the, you know, for a smoker who bought uh, cigarettes 20 years ago, uh, and might, might have spent a couple bucks for a pack or so, is now spending 20, 20 some odd dollars for a pack of cigarettes because it's a, it's a tax, right? And it's, uh, and, and, and that's, mm-hmm. they're being, basically held a gamble that if you want to maintain an unhealthy lifestyle, you're going to have to pay for that. And I think you're going to continue to see that type of trend that is, uh, that is emerging. But I also think that that people want to be more, be more healthy and then people want to have healthier lifestyles and the, and the technologies and the, um, and the awareness has grown to the point where we will be much more knowledgeable, that we will do as much research as we do for the tires on our car, as we do to put mm-hmm. the knees in our body, right? A new knee joint. And, uh, and instead of just accepting that a, that a physician's going to put in a certain type of knee joint, uh, we'll go out and do more research. We'll go look at what are the best things that are out there. What is an appropriate knee for me based on my athletic profile if I run a lot of them, a marathon versus not? And so I think that level of accountability has already really begun and it begins to permeate. Really, all of us. With uh, we have all the technology. We have our cell phones, which are as powerful as laptops were ten years ago. You know, right in front of us, and we're we're already becoming more accountable. And I think that's one element of that. And that accountability, especially as you start to look at things like chronic disease, like diabetes and cardiovascular disease, um, where uh, a much more holistic view of the patient—that it's not just simply taking the drugs, uh, but it's also eating right, it's losing weight, it's getting your exercise, it's being active, it's doing the things that that. That'll maintain a healthy outcome above and beyond the pill, um, which is the common phrase that's used in the farm industry. And how do we you know, take this much more holistic view of the patient? Because ultimately, that will produce better outcomes, and uh, ultimately, that will uh, reduce uh, the cost of cost of care as you start to think about uh, multiple modalities and so forth on an individual patient level.
1: Thank you, Joe Bob Steller. Love to get you to quickly wrap this up because I have something in Joe C's notes I'd like to bring up okay. before we go to our predictions round so Bob
3: okay all right real quick you know I think the great points and I think yeah we were seeing this area where we're trying to integrate even non-traditional data like you see Fitbits being used in the diabetes care marketplace to track people's you know movement and so on and how much exercise they're getting and even being able to then use the cell phone and scan what they're eating and put that all into their treatment possibilities and help them understand on how they need to do that so i think that's going to continue and i think it's going to grow but then it also grows the data points that we have to collect and make sense out of and so we need uh, the kind of things that are happening now in the technology where we have uh, real-time databases and in-memory databases that can crunch all this all these numbers and make sense out of them in a real-time basis uh... so i think definitely this is the direction we're heading in and it's not going to be easy in the beginning I think it's Mm -hmm. started and I don't think it's going to stop and I think it's just going to keep growing and, and technology will hopefully help meet some of the needs of the patients and this whole value chain.
1: Thank you very much, Bob. That was a very provocative topic. A lot of good conversation. Joe Coppola at Deloitte. I have something here. I'm going to flip the tables a little bit. I think the mode of what we've been discussing has been for patient benefit, physician patient benefit. Now let's talk about the producers. So let me read some notes here, and you can I'll give you about three minutes for this, and then we're going to have to move to our predictions round. So you say formulating value based. Contracting strategies consist of answering a series of questions and making strategic choices because we all know that these people have to stay in business, they right? They have to be able to afford to be in business. But the question is, how do they do that and have everybody in that delivery value chain benefit, chain, benefit along the way? So Joe, Joe is asking the following questions. Which products in a company's portfolio are most suitable to this value-based contracting? What material value can be created by the products and solutions within the selected areas? Who are the stakeholders to target with the deals? Very interesting. This is this is on the other side. We don't normally talk about this. So, Joe Coppola, why don't you give us an overview of this quickly, please? I, I think it's too important not to cover.
4: Yeah. Uh, my pleasure. So, this is. I brought this up earlier, uh, saying that um, value-based pricing contracting uh, is not suitable uh, for, you know, for all products, and 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 also the, where they are in their in their product life is The other important factor too. Um, so as 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 if, as we decide uh, or assess a uh, company's portfolio, there are a number of things we, we tend to think about, um, and I'll just kind of go through, uh, in, in, you know, virtually uh, this this. Product selection, or you know, what what makes a good candidate? What makes a product a good candidate for for value based uh, contracting? The first thing we look for are products that are in um, you know competitive drug classes that are that are expected to be heavily utilized in the foreseeable future, uh, like k 9s uh, or immunology uh, treatments. Um, this so that's just a pure volume. The next are are there within the products. Uh, did, are there perceived clinical uncertainty? Because um, that uncertainty represents an opportunity to share risk with with all the stakeholders of the of the uh, care value chain. In, and then the other thing I would say is indication based pricing uh, is gaining a lot of traction um, in, in our market to address uh, immunology and, onco- and oncology products, where where value may different may be different by the indications of that particular product. Um, Humira is, is, a, is a great example. There are many indications, and in what it is used for, the value is different uh, to, to the uh, to the patient and, and to the stakeholders of that uh, care continuum. Um, the other, I guess, filter, if you will, corresponds to the metric that is objective that could be captured, um, or, or metrics that could be captured through routine uh, clinical practice. So, for example. Outcomes that are, you know, linked to the reduction in downstream healthcare complications and costs um, can be captured in claims data. But outcomes that are based on, let's say, imaging results may not be practical if it requires the patient to undergo an increased number of CAT scans that might not otherwise be ordered as part of their as their, their, part of their protocol. So that would not be a practical uh, uh, a metric to capture. And then, lastly, I think it's a really important one is does the opportunity represent a win win situation for all the parties involved? You know, for mm-hmm. example, does a PBM really benefit from a reduction in ER visits? Um I would say no. Uh but the, but it would be quite valuable for the uh for the IDN in particular. And does additional utilization from improved adherence this is important. It's actually a sticky point. More, the pro- more more use of a product increases the pharmacy spend, if you will but um, the, it will, will likely improve the, out, the patient outcome. But is that always valuable to the payer? So there's, there's a trade-off. So I think you go through this filtering process, and then you, you mm-hmm. sift out the products that lend themselves to the uh, uh, to VBCs. Thank there. you,
1: Joe, very much. Yeah, we've got to move to where we're already late. I can give you each about 45 seconds for your prediction. And thank you for that. And Joe, it was very important that we covered that. Joe Miles, I think there's a part two out of this. Uh, so much more to talk about either this year or when you renew for 2018. Joe Miles, predictions, look into the crystal ball. What will change? And I know there is so much going on in this part of the healthcare conundrum, shall I say. Joe Miles, 45 seconds, predictions, Go.
2: Yeah, I think I think you just scratched the surface of the, the complexity involved here but I think we're going to continue to see um this movement uh, you know outcome based uh, alignment with reimbursements continuing to move forward the new drugs and new products are are, are certainly fueling that to Joe's point Jogopolo's so point earlier this is not necessarily for every product I think that's a great a great point but it's certainly as these newer products are emerging as the compelling nature of these therapies come out and the effectiveness of these drugs uh, and products are, uh, are are being witnessed it's going to really fuel a need to, to to drive more towards that. So I think we're going to continue to see it. It's going to pick up momentum. We're going to be smarter about how to do this. We're going to be smarter about looking more holistically, not just simply at the at the drug or the product, but looking more holistically at the patient. Um, and I think also, too, what, to Bob's point earlier, we're going to have to break down the walls of the value chain in order to have greater access to information up and down the value chain in order to determine the true effectiveness of some of these, uh, the true outcomes, um, you know, by much more t- a much tighter collect- Collaboration across the value chain.
1: Thank you very much. Bob Stellar, I say 45 seconds for you. Go ahead, fast. Okay. Feed, feed.
3: So, uh, So, again, I think this is just the beginning of this process. It will go on. And kind of to my quote, uh, there's a lot of elegant strategies going on around out there. Let's make sure we take a look back at the results and see how we move forward to be the most productive in this. Uh, we're going to see more data, more more products coming into this realm as medicine becomes more personalized just because that's just the way as we learn more. There isn't one cancer. There's thousands of cancers, uh, and so drugs Mm -hmm. react differently to these. So we're going to need to make sure that we're all constantly uh, vigilant here, and I think it's going to grow, and I think it's going to be more in the popular press and be more with the patient, and the patients will learn more and become more involved in their healthcare.
1: Thank you very much, Joe Coppola. I saved. Oh, you can have a whole 60 seconds. They were so good. Go ahead, Joe. All yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll,
4: uh, I'll just uh, summarize by saying I, I do believe drug pricing will, will ultimately be determined by the value the products or solutions deliver flat out. I think value-based contracting will become a widely used contracting approach. Uh, right now it's not, but I think that's going to change. macro. Is driving the adoption of value-based care and, and, and payment models in our provider and payer sectors, and I just think that will translate um, and put more increasing pressure on our life science uh, clients to uh, to adopt and, and adapt, hence you know change the dance to the music. And ultimately, I think there will be more, if you will, data liquidity in, in our healthcare system um, that will enable the measurement of these complex uh, uh, patient outcomes that we're trying to that we're trying to measure. I think that will that will come.
1: Thank you very much. Joe Miles and Michelle Schoof, thank you for a wonderful topic. Joe, this was, boy, there's a lot of information here to be shared. I think it's breaking news. I don't know. For me, it is anyway on the other side of the equation. So I want to say thank you to Aaron, our engineer. We've got 30 seconds to go. And uh, Michelle and Joe, good job. I'm so happy you decided to sponsor a series with us. We have one more to go this year and then a whole 12 episodes in 2018. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Joe Miles, just like Bob Steller at Vistex, and just like Joseph M. Joe Capola at Deloitte. Shout out to Carla Neal. Thank you very much, Carla, for the tweets. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is the end of our broadcast week. We will be back next Tuesday with more live Game Changers Radio. Have a great weekend, everyone. Be healthy. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game in Life Sciences, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.